Howdy, and welcome back to yet another episode of Absolutely Nobody's Favorite Podcast, Annoying Question Boy. I am, of course, your host, the only, the one and only, Annoying Question Boy. Uh, And today I would like to start out the pod by uh, discussing a organization out of Portland, Oregon that is currently in the need of our help. Um, so Street Roots is a nonprofit 501c3 organization in Portland, Oregon, that publishes a weekly alternative newspaper sold by people experiencing homelessness and poverty in order to earn an income. Each week, about 180 Street Roots vendors purchase copies of the newspaper for 25 cents each, then sell them on the streets of Portland for a dollar. Keeping the profits, more than 800 vendors sell the newspaper during the course of a year. The newspaper itself is filled with quality local journalism focused on social justice issues. Each edition also features poetry written by vendors during weekly creative writing workshops. Street Roots is a member of the International Network of Street Papers, which includes more than 110 similar but independent publications in 30 countries worldwide. Rose City Resource, also known as the most comprehensive list of services for people experiencing homelessness and poverty in Clackamas, Multnomra, and Washington counties, more than 215,000 guides are published and distributed annually. The information is also available digitally updated throughout the year. Street Roots advocates for systematic change by drawing from the expertise of vendors who themselves experience homelessness and poverty and the investigations of the editorial department. Most recently, they introduced the Portland Street Response Plan in in their newspaper and then campaigned for its implementation. Street Roots Newspaper and Street Roots Advocacy each operate independently within the organization. Street Roots Executive Editor guides the newsroom. Street Roots Executive Director guides the organization's advocacy. They routinely seek input from vendors and community members. The Executive Editor and the Executive Director both report directly to the Street Roots Board of Directors. This structure and their deep organization-wide respect for its integrity ensures autonomy and guards against coercion and undue influence. So because of this week's wildfires, the smoke and the fire themselves and the damage that they have done, Street Roots has actually had to postpone the printing of their newspaper for a week due to the dangers associated with having the vendors sell the print outside. Um, So because of this, they are asking for donations in order to supplement the income that uh, these 800 or so vendors are dependent upon each and every week for uh, safety, for food, things of that nature. And with the wildfires and the smoke caused by them creating an even more damaging environment, it is incredibly important that we and anyone who is capable of uh, donate money in order to help these folks who otherwise have no help. Um, so I will go ahead and put the link 
in the description of the show as well as go ahead and read it out to you right now. So the link for donating is um, secure.qgiv.com forward slash F-O-R forward slash V-I-F forward slash mobile. So you can go on there and it kind of explains, you know, why they're asking for donations. You can donate anything uh, you would like. Um, some of the suggested amounts are 15, 50, 75, things like that. You can choose if you would like to de- donate once, one time, weekly, every two weeks, or monthly. And then you can choose to provide uh, personal information and things of that nature. It also explains... Um, how the donation is made through a secure uh, route and also gives you a link stating that your gift is tax deductible as allowed by U.S. law. So I just wanted to go ahead and throw that in the intro of the show. So if you guys can do um, anything, if you can give any money, I please ask that you do. Um, And if you can't, just go ahead and maybe post about it on your social media or maybe talk to some people in your day-to-day life. And let's just try to be as much of a help to these people who are desperately in need uh, as we can be. so without further ado, let's uh, go ahead and jump right into the show. Today we got a bunch of different topics to cover, some small things, some big things, and then I kind of got a uh, a little piece at the end that I'm pretty excited about doing, so stay tuned for that. But of course, without further ado, let's go ahead and roll the intro music. So right off the bat, we're going to jump into one of the more popular topics that I've seen on social me- uh, social media as of late, which is a woman by the name of Aria DeMezzo, who is uh, out of Cheshire County in New Hampshire, who is the self-described uh, transgender Satanist anarchist that is running for sheriff in her very Republican uh, county in New Hampshire. So running on a fuck the police ballot as well as a it's all broken sentiment, which is the same ideology that got Trump elected, uh, she is running as sheriff of this county. She says, quote, Your anger is with the system that has lied to you. Your anger is with the system that convinced you to believe in it, trust it, and have faith in it when it is completely and utterly broken. She belongs to a group that calls themselves Free Keen, which is a group of bloggers and radio hosts out of New Hampshire. Um, Their website, freekeen.com slash about or forward slash about forward slash, states that, quote, the next great step for mankind is the step toward voluntary society. This group is extremely anti-state and anti-government, stating that government itself is force. Um, Now, I'm not going to really comment on that because it, it, it serves no purpose to sit here and argue ideology right now. Um, One second, let me take a sip of this coffee. But I am going to bring the statement that is made on their page to light and kind of let it, 
you know, be in the open and let you analyze it for yourself. They also say, um, this is not a revolution. We are not revolving or going back to the beginning. This is evolution. They also state on their website that they plan on achieving this evolution by, quote, peaceful market-based actions. She said in an interview earlier this month that she was so insanely confused as to why some voters were mad for at her for not knowing that she was either trans, a Satanist, or an anarchist. But she said, quote, I didn't think so many voters just completely and totally were oblivious about who they were voting for. She said that most people most likely voted party, not paying attention to who was running, stating, quote, I shouldn't have won this freaking primary. I should have gotten crushed. Sorry, I gotta scroll up here. Um, she's running unopposed for the GOP sheriff's nomination, although an unsex- unsuccessful write-in campaign to take her out was attempted. She's currently going against Democratic incumbent Eli Rivera. She is simply hoping for the chance to debate against Rivera, who, in 2018, she also ran against. She's the first ever trans person to win a GOP nomination in her area, and probably anywhere, as well as one of the first keen activists to make it past a primary. She does seem to recognize that she does not have the best odds, stating, quote, Ultimately, the U.S. is a country with two parties, and that's not changing anytime soon. Speaking about herself as a libertarian, she knows that she is not the typical Republican. She's against the war on drugs and plans herself to not police any of what she calls victimless crimes, such as sex work, drug offenses, and even down to speeding violations. As it stands right now, according to the information I was able to find, Cheshire County has a 9.8 out of 100 rating on crime, meaning essentially it's a pretty safe area to live. Of those crimes, most are property crime, such as one that happened earlier this week to DeMezzo's car. Her car had the tires slashed, the convertible cover slashed, as well as a dick and a homophobic slur, which is all the information that was presented in the article, uh, painted on the side of her car. She commented saying, I find it rather funny. Imagine being so motivated by hate that basic morality flies out the window. Um, so this was in response to her winning the nomination. Um, but again, like she said, maybe if people paid a bit more attention to politics and, you know, local elections and things like that, maybe people would have actually known what it is that she stands for. And if people were not so brainwashed by their understanding of America and republicanism, they probably would know that someone like DeMezzo is as close to their own material wants and needs uh, as they're going to get right now and therefore should be someone that these people want to vote for. Um, Also, a side note. Uh, almost each and every article that I read about her has made sure to comment that on her radio show, she is referred to as a she-male. And that definitely doesn't raise any red flags. So I hope to not see too much transphobia out of Cheshire County uh, anytime soon. But um, I think that this is kind of telling that instead of talking about her platform, the things that she stands for, the party or group 
of activists that she belongs to and the things that they have accomplished or attempted to accomplish. They focus on the fact that she herself is a transgender Satanist anarchist, which is cool and probably mostly for clickbait, but it is also going to be used on the opposing side as a means to commit hate crimes. I mean, if they never mentioned that she's transgender, there's a chance that people might have found out, but also it seems to be the main driving point behind even writing about her in any of these articles. So that was a bit bit frustrating. But uh, away from that and on to a bit more of a downer topic, we're going to talk about a uh, awful phenomenon that is uh, being reported on in uh, some ICE camps. So Project South, Georgia Detention Watch, Watch, Georgia Latino Alliance for Human Rights, and South Georgia Immigration Network filed an official complaint with the Office of the Inspector General for the Department of Homeland Security, stating the unhealthy conditions for the unjustly held prisoners of the Irwin County Detention Center. One of the former nurses, Don Wooten, says that many people are being integrated without having even been tested for coronavirus, as well as not having many sanitary products, medical care, and even worse. According to an article posted only a few hours ago on lawandcrime.com, there is an exorbitant amount of hysterectomies being performed on immigrant women. When asked about it, many women within the camp were confused when asked to explain why it is that they had had the procedure done, as if some of them were not even sure themselves. Some seemed to be explaining as if to a child to make them comfortable with something that is happening that shouldn't have. One of the detainees that came forward to speak with Project South said, When I met all of these women who had surgeries, I thought this was like an experimental concentration camp. It's like they're experimenting with our bodies. For those who don't know, a hysterectomy is performed in order to remove the uterus. All of it. According to Wooten, the former nurse within the facility, she said that the camp had commonly gone to only one gynecologist, whose name was not appearing in any article that I had read. But she did also say that everyone who goes to him seems to have the procedure done at some point, stating, quote, Everybody he sees has a hysterectomy, just about everybody. Most of the women within the camp seem to have less to no idea as to why they had the procedure done. Many not even giving their consent, considering their consent was given, but not explained as to what they were giving their consent for. One woman reported not being given the proper anesthesia, which resulted in her overhearing a conversation between the gynecologist and one of his nurses, where the doctor stated that he had in fact removed the wrong organ, removing all reproductive abilities from the woman. Another stated that she had asked for the reasoning behind her necessity to receive the procedure and was given at least three different answers from three different people. This is a quote here. She was originally told by the doctor that she had an an ovarian cyst and was going to have small 20-minute procedure done drilling three small holes in her stomach to drain the cyst, according to the complaint. 
quote, the officer who was transporting her to the hospital told her that she was receiving a hysterectomy to have her womb removed. When the hospital refused to operate on her because her COVID-19 test came back positive for antibodies, she was transferred back to ICDC, where the ICDC nurse said that the procedure she was going to have done entailed dilating her vagina and scraping tissue off. She was also told by another nurse that it was to stop her overactive bleeding during menstruation, which the woman had never experienced. Upon explaining this to the nurse, she reported that the nurse became aggressive and began yelling at her. ICE declined any response to the accusations, but the owner of the facility, LaSalle Corrections, did in fact comment stating, quote, We are deeply committed to delivering high-quality, culturally responsive services in safe and humane environments, end quote. Of course, by now, I'd assume we all know how humane and safe the ICE facilities are, so now the question becomes, when will all this end? To some people's understanding, this is all a necessary evil. Illegal immigration being a large topic in many of the past presidential debates, as well as smaller and even local debates and other news sources. It's understandable as to why many Americans fear outsiders and immigrants especially. But it comes too often that these immigrants that many Americans fear are often the ones who happen to not look like them. Immigrants from Britain are not contained in cages awaiting trial while their children are shipped off to foster families never to be seen again. There are not German immigrants battling it out at the border to simply be able to give their children a safe place to live. And if there is, my apologies. But it seems to me that the only, quote, illegal immigrants we're talking about are the black and brown ones who, conveniently, are not matching up to the color wheel that the U.S. has far too often used to decide who's human and who's not. In yet another showing by the U.S. government, we see again that the only thing that the U.S. cares about when it comes to immigration is what they are able to bring to the table. Immigrants from Syria fleeing bombings and war that the U.S. is actively participating in are stopped at the border. Mexican and other Central and Latin American immigrants are being thrown in cages because they are deemed unfit. And yet in this nation, we proclaim to be a melting pot, a culmination of cultures and ideals into one great people. So why is it we have concentration camps? Why is it that a human being is only allowed shelter, food, and a job if they are going to be a, quote, contributing member to society? What are people like Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, or even someone like Donald Trump actually contributing to the U.S.? What are you contributing to the country? Because last time I checked, someone's value as a human being is not determined by the value of which they add to a nation, but rather by the breath in which they take in and their life itself is what makes a human being worthy of life, safety, and the pursuit of happiness. In a country so indoctrinated into believing that we are free, how do we have these institutions, these camps in our country? How do we continue to allow this? In other quick news, a recent post by CBP officers in New York stated on Twitter earlier yesterday saying that they had in fact confiscated what they were calling 2,000 counterfeit Apple AirPods off of an air cargo container en route from Hong Kong to Nevada. 
The CBP, I'm going to have to say it slow because otherwise I'm going to say CPB, released a statement saying, quote, CBP officers at JFK Airport have recently seized over 2,000 counterfeit Apple AirPods from Hong Kong, valued at over 398k had they been genuine. Now, a few things with this. Um, obviously, first of all, the actual account of the brand that makes these so-called so uh, so-called counterfeit AirPods OnePlus actually commented on the CBP Twitter post saying, hey, give those back, stating that those were in fact OnePlus headphones, not Apple AirPod counterfeits. The CBP responded by explaining that the seizure of the earpods in question is unrelated to the images or language on the box. A company does not have to put an Apple wordmark or design on their products for it to violate these trademarks. The reason why these earpods were being confiscated is expressed in this statement, saying that the OnePlus earpods had in fact broken patent violations and were breaking trademark laws. Although Apple themselves never made any accusations or statements, the CBP did in fact take it upon themselves to confiscate these earpods nonetheless. Another thing with this, they definitely were looking for those, right? Like they saw Hong Kong and they opened that shit up. I'm not sure how all this investigation shit goes with like opening up and examining packages, but like why were they looking so deeply at this box of headphones in the first place? The last thing that I want to say about this is that it seems uh, to show a bit of collusion between government-run agencies such as the CBP and companies such as Apple. Although it's not news to anyone that large corporations seem to have an in with government in this country, but the fact that they were proven to not be actual counterfeits and instead a whole other company's brand, and yet they were still taken, shows that somehow or another, Apple has some kind of deal with this organization and other government agencies to protect them even when they themselves aren't looking. Uh, another quick news segment here that I, I read about. Um, an interview with former neo-Nazi Frank Meink, who inspired the film American History X, came out the other day where he explained to reporters how it is in fact encouraged by many white nationalist and KKK groups that their followers, quote, cover their swastikas, grow their hair out, and become cops stating that he himself knows of at least three people he used to be affiliated with who they themselves had become cops. Quote, I know that there are neo-Nazis that I used to run with who are now cops, and that's just in my crew. Imagine how many neo-Nazis and white nationalists have, become, have been becoming cops. He said also that at many meetings, leaders would encourage the followers and fellow white nationalists to become cops because then they can continue to disenfranchise and torture people of color. Mink stated, quote, they would say, yeah, and when we become cops, we'll get them on felonies so that they can't vote. In 2006, an FBI investigation was released claiming that many neo-Nazi white supremacist groups had successfully infiltrated many police departments across the country, saying that they would be wary of this due to the now police officers' ability to power and discriminatory capabilities. 
And we all know why cops themselves, if not directly becoming involved with groups such as these, align themselves with these ideals. As shown in the Stanford Prison Experiment, which is an experiment from 1971, power corrupts. And what is more corrupting than continuously committing racially motivated hate crimes, wearing a badge, and most of the time, and I should say, like, 98% of the time, getting away with it. Uh, Also further along in the article, it also mentions that in 2019, of those asked, 87% of black Americans were distrustful towards the police, with 67% of white Americans feeling the same. And both groups seemed aligned with the idea that black people in America are treated disproportionately by police officers. Uh... Real quick, I I know I'm kind of hitting this like bullet points, but um, I'm trying to be able to cover as much of stuff that I feel is important to talk about as well as things that I found interesting in a timely fashion. So I'm sorry if this seems like boom, 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 boom. Like I'm I I don't have anyone to talk to. So this is just kind of how it goes. Uh, Let me take another sip of coffee here. Um. So I'd assume we've all been paying attention to Oregon, um, and if you aren't, uh, you should be. Um, I have a few different friends that are actually living in Oregon. One is in Portland, and the other two are in different cities, which I don't know. Um, But all three are in direct contact with the wildfires and the intense smoke that is coming from the wildfires. Although they're all stating that the smoke seems to be improving mildly, that doesn't quite mean anything considering that they are still unable to protest in these areas because the combination of the smoke and the tear gas the police aren't supposed to be using would kill them. Two of them have in fact complained of an inability to sleep at night due to the lack of proper oxygen that is available to them. One of them that uh, said that they've actually had their air purifiers going 24-7, but many in the area are incapable of finding any more considering the immense need. Like TP in March, there's few places to find air purifiers now. Um... This isn't really the battle that I'm planning on waging about availability to these products that people need, although I might begin a campaign against local government's inability to acquire and stockpile resources for help in commonly occurring natural disasters, but we'll get there some other time. Um, What I actually want to talk about is not the wildfires themselves, the air pollution from the smoke, but in fact that this could very well become the new normal. Considering how long we've been waging this war in our personal lives as well as in government, the time is now or never for a Green New Deal. As explained to me by my environmental science teacher a few semesters ago, as well as how I have used it to explain to many of those I've talked with about this, there is a cap to when there is enough time to act, and we are surely getting very close. So say, for example, that the limit on how much carbon and air pollution that can be released before we all die a most horrible death is something like 1 billion pounds, or however it's measured. We are currently at 980 million, probably. 
But doing something like the Green New Deal entails would require considerable amounts of carbon and air pollution that would be released while attempting to manufacture and refit our new green ecosystem. We'd have to burn a hell of a lot more fossil fuels than we even are right now to simply create the foundation of a green infrastructure. And I think that's the part where people seem to get lost, or rather don't care to learn. We are not guaranteed any time on this earth. We took that away when the Industrial Revolution took hold of the world in the late 1800s, and now we are so far down a rabbit hole that we'll be lucky to ever see light again. But we're not down yet, and we won't be if the energy that I'm seeing in the news is evidence of any type of social movement. In a bunch of the countries right now, there is actual, or sorry, I said that wrong. In a lot of the country right now, there is actual fundamental movements against the use of police violence, as well as other systems in place in this country that the general public is finally deeming as unacceptable. But the issue comes in a few layers. Firstly, we have yet to see much success due to these protests and revolts because we have continued to follow the media's narrative and become peaceful. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, the riots are the language of the unheard, and that is the truth. But they shouldn't be the language of the unheard. They should be the reaction of those whose lives have been looted since the day they were born. 85% of this country now lives paycheck to paycheck in a spiraling, cyclical, maddening pattern of having money and not having money, eating and not eating. With dependence for life reliant on work, you cannot expect that sometime or another people weren't going to catch on and be pissed. Rightfully so, I might add. We are slaves, you and I, and I mean that literally. We are slaves to a system that does not allow us freedoms unless we have the pocketbook to purchase them. We are slaves to a system that says we are not to eat, drink, sleep in a home, have proper medical care, or in any way live a safe and comfortable life unless first we acquire work. How is it that labor is my direct line to continuing life? How is it that a job is my direct line for survival? Considering what has happened in the last few months, many jobs are lucky that the system benefits them so much. Because anywhere else, and we'd be seeing businesses going under left and right. But instead, you have an indoctrinated workforce perpetuated with this idea that the only path to a happy life is through long years of laboring with no direct return on investment. This, in fact, is one of the root problems within our society, and it has led and stemmed out into issues such as disproportionate treatment of black and brown people within America and many other countries as well. But it has also led to a certain group of individuals in this country amassing a wealth that you and I will never completely understand off of the destruction of our earth and its environment. As most of us know, the burning of fossil fuel isn't so insanely bad for the environment. But what's even worse is the structures that are in place to protect those rights for companies to continue doing so. In my experience, most people understand how close to being completely fucked our Earth is, and so do our policymakers and the 1%. But yet nothing is to be done. 
Why, you might ask? Well, my friend, it is with no joy that I tell you the world was not built for you and I. With folks like Bezos and the Waltons, there is no place for our concerns, our well-being, our health to be consulted or considered. We are but prey to predators, and death will soon find us all. But that is not a call to lay down your arms and die. It is instead a direct opposition to that ideal. It is time, my friends, that a new movement begins in this country. We should be taking the anger and energy that began the protests after the murder of George Floyd and translate that into a mass movement against the murdering of our home, our earth. With the immense amount of wealth and technology available in not only this country, but the world as a whole, there's no excuse other than corruption that should lead us to an understanding as to why this is continuing to happen. But a new idea was brought to my attention the other day while actually recording a podcast with one of my friends out in Portland. Shout out to John. Go ahead and check out Carpet and Cork wherever you can find podcasts. Um, But he brought to my attention that we mustn't simply stop at zero carbon emissions, which people like Howie Hawkins are calling for, but in fact continue on to a negative carbon emission. And we need to do it fast. Many technologies have been invented that help to remove pollutants from the atmosphere, but with companies and mines working actively against them, these technologies are no match. But we have little time to give them, so we need to start now. I'm expecting here shortly that some type of movement like this will come to fruition, but we cannot wait. But of course, before anything like this can happen, we must first dismantle capitalism as a whole from this world or at least begin to implement strategic and comprehensible socialist policies in order to help guide the economy and our society away from this mass consumption, mass production, wasteful, polluting ideology. I would like to also throw a side note in saying uh, earlier when I say that we need to take the energy uh, from the murder of George Floyd and the protests that ensued afterwards and translate it towards uh, the murdering of our home. I was not aligning those two um, and not trying to draw a comparison, but I was saying that things such as the murder of George Floyd, as well as the murdering of our home planet, are two symptoms of the same system, and that is capitalism. So now this is the, uh, the part of the show that I was pretty excited about. Um, I recently watched a video by a YouTube channel called Second Thought, which, again, you can find on YouTube, but you can also find most of their videos on this new streaming platform called Rockfin. That's R-O-K-F-I-N. Because YouTube, as soon as people post videos that have anything to do with things such as fascism immediately demonetize those videos. So things like an explanation uh, video titled America's Patriotism to Fascism Pipeline, which is an informative video talking about how the rise of fascism has taken hold in countries like America and how to stop it, um, are immediately demonetized. And Sorry, my audio kind of got cut out. But what I was saying was that you know, videos like that are automatically demonetized on 
uh, places like YouTube. And so uh, channels like Second Thought, who depend on YouTube for their income, um, are, you know, incentivized to create other videos or rather de-incentivized to create videos such as those that actively call out the fascist practices of the country of which we live in. Um, so check out Rockfin. It's a subscription-based thing, but the way that Second uh, uh, Thought actually explains it is pretty cool. It's essentially like having a uh, like a Patreon, but instead of just donating to one person, you're donating to all of your favorite uh, people. So... Go ahead and check it out. This isn't a uh, sponsored thing, but, I mean, it'd be cool if it was. Just saying. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. So, I recently watched the video on YouTube called America's Patriotism to Fascism Pipeline, started by er, by a channel called Second Thought. Uh, you guys should go ahead and check it out. But they were able to present some pretty poignant ideas about what it is that helped to cause the fascist overtaking of the American people in the last four or so years. But they made the point of explaining that this isn't simply something that happened overnight. Something like this takes time, careful planning, and a lot of effort. Three things that were perfectly capitalized on, and it only took time to bring fascism from our abroad campaigns to right here on our own soil. So let's kind of go through the points that the video makes and talk about them. Kind of spelling out what it is that the video had to say was the cause of fascism, making its way into our illustrious and great nation. Uh, so first things first, you have to realize that the authoritarian propaganda that is bashed into the viewers' minds of companies like Fox News was never intended really for anyone our age. It was intended for our parents, and it succeeded. So throughout your parents' or grandparents' life, thanks to evening news, they saw the fall of many socialist states, they saw the fall of the Soviet Union, and they time and time again were presented with information showing them and telling them that the U.S. was in fact becoming the last and final place for democracy to continue. This helped to fuel many wars and the idea of American exceptionalism as a continued teaching point in many facets of life. Then, in 1996, Fox News was created, and our parents would never be the same. In 96, founder Rupert Murdoch, the owner of News Corps, which is for another time I totally will be doing either a blog or a video about this, um, but he was finally able to open a news source of his own. A man by the name of Roger Ailes would become the dominating force of Fox, as appointed by Murdoch, and this was not by accident. Ailes had actually been an aide to both the Nixon administration as well as George H.W. Bush's, and in the 70s had helped to co-write a document called A Plan for Putting the GOP on TV News which detailed all the ways in which people were becoming incredibly dependent on television for their news consumption. But the intentionality behind the network was not one of news reporting, as one would hope, but it was in fact an attempt to place Republicans and their ideals into the forefront of the American people's minds who were now dependent on TV for their news. 
They cite it in the document, which is available, and I will probably post on some of my social media, a poll that determined that 8 out of 10 Americans view TV or radio at least once a day, and over a third of them found TV news to be more dependable and reliable than any other TV or than any other news source. Because of this, Nixon and Ailes, who wrote the paper together with other moguls of the time, decided that the best way to help shift the ideology of the country was to create a TV news network that is not only connected to people on a personal level, stating in the document that news is half news, half locality, and they subsequently wanted to use local figures in order to convince the viewers of some sort of level of trust in their fellow local people, but also shifted their thinking towards a more GOP-esque understanding of things. So beginning in 96, under the umbrella of the overwhelmingly large corporate uh, monarch, Murdoch and his company Fox Entertainment Group, as cited in the paper written by Ailes and Nixon, or sorry, written by yeah, Ailes and Nixon, with a corporate buy-in such as Murdoch's conglomerate that paid cable companies to air Fox, there was no need for censorship or correction of facts. Instead, they were able to operate as they wished with the money to get away with it too. Ailes is quoted as once speaking about how he thought this was such a great thing that they had done. Quote, this is capitalism and one of the things that made this country great. So from the start, Fox News had one goal and one goal only, shifting the narrative and brainwashing, or rather, quote, convincingly informing their viewers uh, of the GOP's ideology and rhetoric. The main target of all of this, again, was our parents, who they themselves had watched the world go to shit over the last 20 or so years and were beginning to become a bit worried. So Fox decided to jump right in and give them something to worry about, but also something to support their understanding that America was the one true shining light of freedom and equality throughout all of this. From the beginning, Ailes and Murdoch set out not to acquire educated, knowledgeable individuals to report, but instead charismatic people of which they knew would sit in front of the screen all pretty and read off the pro-GOP rhetoric with no question whatsoever. People such as Tucker Carlson, who, despite his shtick of I'm just like you, is in fact paid $6 million a year to perpetuate this bullshit. Not only has he got a mass of white moms at the ready, but he actually also owns one of the companies that Facebook uses as a fact-checking service on its app. So there's that for you. But again, this news source was for suburban folks who were beginning to feel themselves disenfranchised by the politics and society of the world around them, becoming more fearful that they needed a place of sanctity to turn to, and Fox was just that for them. Fox sought out those who would call themselves proud Americans and took their patriotism and twisted it into a defensive stance rather than a passive belief essentially making the point that anyone who would dare question the America you love so much is in fact a domestic terrorist and is coming to steal your freedoms and kill you. 
Now, of course, then this in and of itself is not something that could change minds. It came with years of proclaiming themselves as and only supporting the belief that they, Fox, were the good guys. They are just normal, everyday Americans like you and I, afraid of what the world had planned for them and their country they love so much. But the question becomes, how did we go from passive patriotism of the 80s and early 90s to extremely right-wing authoritarian and fascist ideals now in 2020? Well, as Second Thoughts video provided as an answer, I too will offer the idea of time and exploitation of traumatic events leading to this change. Fox has only really been around for about 25 years, and therefore is, there is a time that many might remember where we weren't so reactionary and fearful 24-7. But since 9-11, Fox has in fact doubled down on their pro-American, pro-democracy, fear-mongering tactics that they've used since day one. But now with the extra efforts and time spent covering things that only perpetuate their ideals, we now have a sizable amount of society in America that is constantly bombarded with two things. The first is always something or someone from another place to fear. Socialism, Antifa, Muslims, etc., and then following this, of course, is the beacon of safety that is American exceptionalism. And side note, I don't know if you listened to my bonus episode where I read off Trump's website's official second term agenda, but in it, under education, the website clearly states that teaching American exceptionalism will be one of the two th key things that this second term administration will focus on regarding education. If you don't know what American exceptionalism is, I will go ahead and read you the dictionary definition really quick. So, this is, this is, you know, you can Google this real easy and find this. So, American exceptionalism is the theory that the history of the United States is inherently different from that of other nations, stemming from its emergence from the American Revolution, becoming what the political scientist Seymour Martin Lipset called the first new nation, and developing a uniquely American ideology, Americanism, based on liberty, equality before the law, individual responsibility, republicanism, representative democracy, and laissez-faire economics. This ideology itself is often referred to as American exceptionalism. Second is the idea that America has a unique mission to transform the world. As President Abraham Lincoln stated in the Gettysburg Address, Americans have a duty to ensure, quote, government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from this earth, end quote. Third is the sense that America's history and its mission give it a superiority over other nations. So to get back into it, now that they had their winning formula down in pat, they again, as I said, began doubling down portraying places like the Middle East as a destitute primal wasteland, places like Europe as do-nothing socialist countries that directly oppose American ideals of hard work and liberty, and places such as South America as a land of consistently failed states.
But what was not often talked about on Fox is the fact that the Middle East is how it is because of constant wars and bombings sponsored by or directly committed by America and its military that has led to the destabilization of the region. Um, the fact that the South American, quote, failed states were directly kneecapped by American imperialism, as well as a global economy of which America helped to create that took away bargaining chips from socialist states by making their country's economy dependent on either America or by taking away their ability to acquire aid from other countries such as the Soviet Union as it helped Cuba which itself is not a South American state, but it is a great example nonetheless. There are, of course, not points that the likes of Bill O'Reilly or Tucker Carlson would present, even though they are in fact the truth and the causation of the problems of which they commonly report on. There is an actual quote from a screening in the video I watched by Second Thought on this that I felt like quoting here. So the screen is one of the reporters talking about the beginning of the Iraq war, which if you didn't read, you can be given some context about by reading my blog on blogger.com called We Will Never Forget, which details chronologically the steps that were taken by the U.S. and other imperialist forces in the Middle East that led to the attacks of 9-11. But the screen cap says, and I'm quoting, The Dramatic Muslim Invasion Europe has let the U.S. take most of the casualties in the fight with Islamic terror and pay most of the bills. So I don't know if you guys know this, but the reason why that happened was because Europe and most of the United Nations countries actually directly opposed America's decision to continue warlike tactics in the Middle East. It wasn't until probably the late 2000s when other countries started to sign on to this because they began to make money off of oil. But prior to this, Europe was actually mostly against the war in Iraq. America just decided, fuck you, we're going to do it anyways. So that quote that says, you know, Europe has let U.S. take most of the casualties in the fight with Islamic terror and pay most of the bills, that's because America was the only country that was fighting in Iraq other than Saudi Arabia. So again, there's that. Um, but now the shift from extreme nationalism, which is what I would like to call the ide ideology held by most Americans from up until about the 2010s to fascism uh, was it was in need of something, you know, that that big shift. It, it was requiring something that wasn't there. Uh, so if you look at the obvious examples of fascism in the history of the ideology, they all require a cult-like figurehead to kind of steer the population down a certain path and to have someone to look up to explicitly and to follow along and step with. And now I'm certainly not a, quote, orange man bad kind of person, but it does seem fitting that someone such as Donald Trump would become that figure. Although he is oftentimes compared to Hitler, I would actually say that Donald Trump himself is not the problem. 
The ideology that led to him as well as what he himself perpetuates is the problem. But as the video stated, I believe that he himself is not a fascist, but in fact an egotistical moron whose opinions and ideals are easily shifted due to his inability to formulate ideals for himself. Someone like Trump has proven time and time again that his only mission is to appear in control at all times and the winner. So when something like a fascist shift in ideology presents itself as the dominant force within a society, and Trump just so happens to find himself as the figurehead that puts it all together, he of course is going to accept that mantle. Because again, above all else that the narcissistic, insecure asshole wants is love and affection. Hashtag daddy issues. So he takes the stage as the guy who walks up to the flag and hugs it tightly, mouthing the words, I love it, I love America. And everybody screams and, applaud everything, and applauds everything he says like he's the best thing to ever happen to them. When in fact, someone like Donald Trump and who and what he represents is in clear, stark opposition to everything that most of these so-called patriots proclaim to be about. Things such as the police. Many Americans proclaim themselves to be lovers of freedom, of liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And because of this, many of them proclaim to be against an oppressive government. And yet, they actively cheer on and support massive authoritarian actions being taken in cities like Portland and other places where protests took place. They also claim to be a supporter of the freedom of speech and belief that and belief and yet they actively support a person who bans apps simply because they believe it to be, quote, spying on Americans, deny over a thousand Chinese immigrant students visas, and I don't know, also actively send National Guard in to physically remove peaceful protesters, arresting them for opposing the status quo, and even down to some of these people supporting the notion that Trump should serve a third or even fourth term. These are in direct opposition to what many would call American ideals. The same people who put a Don't Tread on Me sticker on the back of their 2017 Ford F-150 with a lift kit, right next to a sticker that says Blue Lives Matter, as if they, the police, would not be the ones treading on them if the tables were turned. Also, a point made in the video is a term that Second Thought calls Schrodinger's Immigrant. The idea that immigrants are both lazy, do-nothing welfare check recipients and also hyperactive job stealers. This translates over to other things such as Antifa, who is reported as being a group of whiny teenage snowflakes and also an organized militia of terrorist super soldiers. This is a... Uh, a Sorry, I don't know what I meant to say here. This is a common practice by many fascist states. The creation of opinion about a certain group of individuals as both a burden on society, such as Jewish people being lazy, do-nothing mooches, as well as being the impending doom of which will overtake society. Sound familiar? And I think that that right there is actually the most central thing that needs to be understood about these suburban white folks that can love a guy like Trump. It usually is not indicative of their own opinions or ideals, but instead that they, their 
understanding of politics, society, and really everything outside of themselves is so insanely warped and bass-ackwards that they can't tell where is up and who the bad guy is. Is it an overstepping government actively impeding on American civil liberties to protest that would actively jail and kill those who don't, quote, follow the law? Or is it those that are being arrested for protesting injustice that are the bad guys to these folks? Both? But also only technically the blacks. Or, sorry, oops, Antifa, right? And that's the winning formula that Fox has down and is able to use time and time again to shift minds, twist the truth, and manipulate the rhetoric behind by simply associating a group ideology, or even an event as being anti-American, by which they mean anti-the America that exists right now, and then spread on thick the narrative that your duty as a patriot and as a proud American is to oppose and destroy anyone who would stand against your rights as an American. This is the exact mentality and narrative that led to the murder committed by a 17-year-old terrorist a couple weeks back. The exact message that would lead to a couple of advisement bankers pointing guns at unarmed peaceful protesters, and eventually it actually led to them not only speaking at the RNC, but doing a formal interview on Fox News, wherein the wife of this gun couple said the following. There, the protesters not satisfied with the spreading of chaos and violence into our communities. They want to abolish the suburbs altogether. This forced rezoning would be bring crime, lawlessness, and low-quality apartments to thriving suburban neighborhoods. Yeah, that shit's real, and I'm 100% certain that my grandma watched it. But now in the age of podcasting, which has brought me to your streaming device right now, there is a new level of ideology that is being spread like wildfire. Bad time for that reference. And just like climate change reform, it's predicated on the denial of facts and instead is supported by emotional opinions that were once supported as facts simply because an alternate opinion was never allowed to be presented to the public. Someone like Ben Shapiro has never once sat in a class or listened to a news show or read a book that didn't directly support each and every understanding of the world that he himself held, even though I'm sure he himself has never formulated an idea for himself. So now our grandparents, our parents, all have a new personal level of contact with folks such as Newt Gingrich, Bill O'Reilly, and many other former Fox News anchors who were either removed for being xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic, racist, sexist, what have you, or even simply not towing the line enough and becoming too radical for even Fox News. With podcasting, a new level of spreading facts is achieved. Unlike a news network or a conversation with other people, podcasting allows one-on-one time with what many people would probably call a trusted advisor. When it's just you and them and no voices in opposition, it's like your old pals and your buddy new is just helping you to understand the things you don't quite get yet. This is dangerous because it is someone like Tucker... It is 
sorry, because it is able to take fear-mongering to a whole new level. Say, for example, you're asked to go observe a seminar by someone like Tucker Carlson, and you might agree with some of what they say, but now imagine that someone like your older brother or your friend for 20 years begins telling you the same exact things that you just heard at this event. They're probably going to be able to be more convincing, easier to understand and agree with, and altogether simply a better experience because, again, it's like talking with a trusted buddy. With no alternate opinions or takes and no opposing views, it's produced and consumed like truth and fact rather than opinion, which is simply what it is, and very toxic, harmful opinions at that. You now have a new level of fear-mongering that is perpetuating the winning formula that Fox has already capitalized on, and it goes like this. So the shot is the fear of other maybe a country or ideology or a group, and then the chaser is some American exceptionalism bullshit. It teaches folks to hate, not disagree with, but convincing them that any opposition to their held beliefs is actually an attack against them and their freedoms as an American citizen, which convinces many to simply dig their heels in. And it has been a progression, and one that isn't simply going to go anywhere because a different president is in office. As also pointed out in the video, fascism and fascist acts have been committed by most all presidents abroad or before we were fully expanded into the West domestically. Obama committed fascism, Bush committed fascism, Clinton committed fascism, Bush Sr. committed fascism, Nixon Reagan, all the way down to George Washington, they each actively committed authoritarian fascist acts, not only abroad in places such as the Middle East or South America, but even in the urban cities in America, and before them against Native Americans of this land. This is not a new practice, and in fact, Hitler himself cited one of his inspirations for his eradication of the Jews as the U.S. genocides of Native Americans. But now that this is once again being committed on our land, many are beginning to wake up to the atrocities and evils being committed by their land of the free and home of the brave. So patriotism is loving America nationalism is hating or disapproving of everyone else, and fascism is the removal of anything and everything that does not directly support your twisted, amoral view of what America is and should stand for. For all of those proclaiming that you would support Black Lives Matter if they weren't violent, how do you support the U.S. military's innumerable campaigns across countries in the Middle East, Asia, and South, Central, and Latin America? Were they not violent? And my final point is this. In a country such as America, I fear that there is not a successful leftist movement looming around the corner that can take hold of this country and shift its views and rhetoric in the right direction. But there certainly is a leftist movement that is fully capable of eradicating the things in which are actively adding to and perpetuating the ideals that are commonly held in this country as it stands today. 
No, I do not think that there is a leftist state that can hold and control America as it stands today, but there certainly is a leftist state that can rid the world of America, hopefully. As a parody, of course. That would be so funny, haha, laugh. Um, so to close up, I would suggest that if you don't already, please go ahead and find Second Thought on YouTube or what, what the hell was it called? Uh, Rockfin, um, and watch some of their videos. They do a good one on the American, uh, healthcare system. They do a good one on capitalism. They have a lot of anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist stuff on there. Great channel, definitely should check it out. Um, But I would like to close up the show by saying that um, to those of you who maybe want to be proud Americans, who want to be able to be prideful of the country you live in and have been told your whole life that one of the, you know, most true civic duties of an American is to be patriotic, I give you this. Would you as a German have been patriotic of the Nazi Germany? Would you as, uh, say, an Italian have been proud of the Italy that allowed Mussolini? And if that's true and you can say that you are, well then fuck you, I hope you die. But if you can understand the sentiment of which I'm trying to explain, then you need to understand this. The most patriotic thing that anyone can do is actively continue to fight for equality, liberty, and change that provides equity and equal life possibilities for each and every citizen of your country. Simply being patriotic to be patriotic is literally the tube of which will shoot you directly towards fascism, which is exactly what this podcast and this video that I talked about speaks on. So if you just simply want to be patriotic for the sake of being patriotic, you can go ahead and shut all of the fuck up. But if you want to be patriotic because you want to have a country of which you can be prideful of and be happy to live within, then I implore you to join the cause and actively fight to make it a country worth being proud of. Now again, like I said, I do not, as a personal belief, think that there is a possibility for a leftist state to exist in America. I think America is a conglomerate of shit and secession needs to start happening. But I do think that leftism is something that would improve America. But I do not think that there is a true leftist state that could exist in America, if that makes sense. So what I am saying is that I personally believe that America as it stands now can never improve until it ceases to be America. Um, I think places like China, Great Britain, and other places like that should do the same. But until that happens, all that we can fight for is a more left, more communist, more socialist government and society within the country we live in. And that is what I plan to continue to do.
If you've listened this far, I applaud and appreciate you. Thank you so much for being supportive. I hope you have a wonderful day, night, morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is when you're listening to this. I hope you're staying safe, healthy, comfortable, and as happy as possible considering, uh, you know, the shithole of a world that we live in currently. Um, if you liked what you heard, know that there's much more that you can listen to here, but also on many different streaming platforms, just about everywhere you can find podcasts. If you didn't like it, same thing. There's probably something along the lines that you can find that you might like. If you like this, but you would prefer it in written form, I have a blog on blogger.com. It's actually annoying question boy, spelt just like that, no spaces, no caps, dot blogger.com. I also have a YouTube channel of which I still have yet to uh, finish recording my newest video, also called Annoying Question Boy. Um, You can find me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Annoying Question Boy. If you have any questions, concerns, any topics you'd like me to cover, or you just want to say hi and let me know what your favorite fruit is, you can go ahead and DM or message me on any of my social medias, as well as commenting under maybe one of my blog posts or on this uh, podcast itself. Um, Again, I hope you guys are all staying healthy and safe. I love you all. Thank you for listening and supporting me. Uh, Again, please go ahead and find... um, uh, Sorry, I forgot the name because I've been recording for so long. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Street Roots, go ahead and support them if you can. Uh, go ahead and donate if you can, and if not, just go ahead and, uh, give, give them, uh, some kind of, some kind of platform on your social media. Um, and, yeah, if you haven't already, go ahead and register to vote in this fantastic election coming up. Uh, and I would, I'm not soliciting any votes for anyone, but I would say that if you feel that the candidates that are available for you do not support what you believe, uh, please go ahead and check out both Howie Hawkins and also Gloria LaRiva, two candidates of which, uh, I would give my, uh, undying support to. So yeah, go ahead and have a fantastic rest of your day. Love you all. And we will see you soon. Bye.